Welcome to the All Souls Forum. The All Souls Forum is a production of the All Souls Unitarian Universalist Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Today's presentation, A Tale of Two Police Departments, was recorded on February 19, 2023. Welcome to All Souls Forum. I'm Spencer Graves, a member of the Forum Committee. Last Thursday, KCUR reported that the Office of the Disciplinary Administrator of, of the Kansas Courts is investigating Johnson County District Attorney Stephen Howell to de determine if he knowingly made a false statement of material fact or law to a third person. When discussing what happened, when 17-year-old John Albers was killed by an Overland Park police officer in 2018. I do not know if this morning's speaker had anything to do with encouraging this investigation, but I knew, do know that Moore Squared has been a leader in the Kansas City metro area in pushing for greater accountability and transparency in questionable actions by law enforcement. Here, here to tell us more about Moore Squared, that's Metropolitan Organization, uh, for re regional and, uh, I'm sorry, uh, I I'll let her tell us. Okay, here's their uh, executive director, Laura McDonald. All Souls is a member of Moore Squared, and I was pleased last fall when the form committee supported my suggestion to invite her here. And I was even more pleased when she accepted. Okay, she will speak on... Um, a Tale of Two Police Departments, and 2323. Before I turn the floor over to her, I need to remind you that the mission of this forum is to afford a platform for the discussion of significant issues, especially those which involve ethical values in the, con in the contemporary world, and to promote critical thinking. It has been doing this since 1946. As a reminder, it is my fantasy that Laura will talk for a roughly 35 minutes, after which, <laughs> after which we will have, uh, we will request donations for the church, <laughs> and and then invite questions from the audience. Uh, and please silence your cell phones, Laura. Thank you, Spencer. Thank you, All Souls. It's really good to be here. Um, it was right in this space where we had our board of directors meetings for some eight years until COVID, and I haven't been in here since. Um, so it's good to be back in this space at Conover, and thanks for having me. Um, I really, you know, represent all of you, so I hope that I do that well today, um, and I trust that you will let me know if I didn't. Um, you uh, this place, All Souls, has been a part of Moore Squared since longer than I have. Um, Moore Squared was founded in 2004, and you were one of the, this this congregation, All Souls, was one of the original founding congreg congregations. Um, there were 11 back then, and now we're about um, 40 congregations strong, and we're in Kansas and Missouri. Um, we are Predominantly, our congregations are black, white, and uh, brown, uh, Latino, and um, we have 
Jewish, Christian, and of course Unitarian members, um, and always growing and recruiting and and looking to expand. Um, I'll I'll touch a little bit on that as we go along. I think today. Um, Spencer knows I'm a windbag, so asking me to talk for only 30 minutes was actually like, please stop at that time was his fantasy, not, not that I would drone on for that long. Um, so I hope what I offer you today is interesting and, and that I tell you some things you don't know. I know you all know a lot about the work we're doing, actually. Um, we call this a tale of two police departments because of the work we predominantly concentrated on over the past couple of years in Kansas City, um, Missouri, and Kansas City, Kansas. And I'll just share with you how and where those two um, those two endeavors have taken us. And I hope to touch on what we've done in Overland Park as well. Um, but I will say, just since. Uh, Spencer Graves was so kind to open with that. Um, we're really excited for Sheila Albers and her family that they're getting some more traction towards some semblance of justice in a really tragic case out there. And she did contact me um, that evening when she learned just last week that they were opening an investigation and we shared um, you know, some excitement over that. And so um, we're certainly rooting for some justice over there for her and her family. But um, more importantly, her press for justice is is helping a lot of other people. And I think that her quest for justice and um, especially around open records in Kansas will continue to um, benefit people all over Kansas for years to come. Um, to our work in Kansas City, Missouri. So uh, some of you may or may not know my background. I used to work for the Kansas City Metropolitan Crime Commission, and that's the people that do like Crime Stoppers Tips Hotline, and they do um, just really some wonderful work. And they're, they're led by a retired law enforcement officer. Back then, I worked for um, retired police chief Rick Easley. And back then, um, I, I started in this job in 10 years ago, almost 11 years ago, back. So that was my previous job. About 12 years ago, um, some folks were kicking around local control in Kansas City because St. Louis was doing it. Um, local control of the police department. Um, what we didn't necessarily, we weren't real keyed into St. Louis's uh, work, but they actually worked on that. There are some organizations that worked on that for 50 years which seems really depressing when you do the kind of work we do. 50 years, um, an organization called Organization for Black Struggle worked on that. Um, but sometimes justice work just makes for really unlikely bedfellows. So what happened was um, a guy who's known for uh, libertarianism and just like putting a lot of money in odd races and things named uh, Rex Singfeld, a billionaire out of St. Louis, said he too wanted local control of St. Louis Police Department. So back at that time when I was working for retired police, and and it may have been a couple years earlier, this idea was being kicked around here locally again. And um, Mayor Sly James was, was the new guy in town, and he had a commission that met about it and agonized over it, and it was made of law enforcement folks and community leaders. Um, not me, but people not unlike myself, advocates on both sides. Um, and they actually collapsed the committee in indecision. 
Um, so it's my understanding that they they were they were stuck on which model, and there was kind of like, do we want to govern it this way or that way? And there was some indecision over that, and they actually picked none of the above. And we're we've remained in this place. Um, so there was a statewide race or a statewide battle over this, and it was restored to St. Louis um, back then, and we didn't get it back. Um, so no one really did anything about it for a few years. And the way we started to get involved, um, there were some young people here in Kansas City in the metro called Future Votes KC. It's a, a partnership of high schools, Hyman Brand Hebrew, Hebrew Academy and University Academy. And I get the privilege of being their community organizer. And as their community organizer, um, I was meeting with the high schoolers and they they decided they wanted to work on policing that year. Um, I want to say it was about 2015, 2016 school year when they started doing this. And what they did was they interviewed just like all kinds of folks and they learned this one little slice of an issue that probably most of you don't even know about, which is this. When you file a complaint uh, against a police officer in Kansas City saying you've in been violated in some kind of way. Um, your rights have been violated. Only you can file a complaint for yourself, first of all. So I, if I saw something happen to Spencer, I couldn't file a complaint. Only he could, right? Um, so that's that's one barrier that they were looking at. But then they, they found out this little slice of a thing, which is if you get all the forms filled out right and you file your complaint and you have the courage to see this process through and you're, they're moving the process along, they call you in for an interview. And you're interviewed actually by a police officer, somebody who's a part of internal affairs. And the kids thought, well, that doesn't sound right. I wish citizens could do it. And then they found just a tinier slice of an issue, which is when you go in to that interview, you actually can't bring anyone with you. You can't bring an adult. If you're 17 and up, you can't bring an attorney. You can't bring a witness. You can't bring a friend. You can't bring a parent. You can't bring an attorney. You can't bring an attorney. And you can't bring notes and you're asked to lock your purse up in a locker if you have a purse or a wallet or something like that. And um, you don't get to bring your cell phone. So what a strange way that we treat our citizens who have complaints against police officers in this city. If you get through the, I hear forms get kicked out and you didn't do the right form or you didn't do it the right way and they don't make their way even to that process. But when you get to that process, it feels somehow like you're the one under suspicion, doesn't it? And so the kids were really outraged by this. And they said, what if it just was an issue of 17-year-olds, minors, if they have a complaint, they could, in fact, have that heard with a witness or a parent or whatever? It seems reasonable, right? And I, I'm i a community organizer, and I like to win. We mount issues we think we can win, and I said, that's winnable, right? That seems reasonable. So at that time, there were, um, Mr. Alvin Brooks was on the police board. Um, Leland Sheeran was on the police board. Um, he was the chair at that time, and... Um, you know, Mayor Sly James was on the police board. Two of these guys, attorney, 
right? So let's go talk to them. So we we met with each one of them, and uh, Mr. Brooks felt that they couldn't change that policy. And Leland Sheeran said, surely that isn't the policy. I, I'll check into it. And then he told the kids how he had marched on Selma with Dr. King, and he was like a little bit dismissive of their whole work. Um, and he never got back with them. And then we went to Mayor James' office, and it was in his office. I want to say, again, around 2016, when we were sitting in his office, and the kids asked for this one little slice of a change of can 17-year-olds bring a witness or someone with them when they have a complaint against KCPD and they're called into a private interview. And he said, you know, that's really bad. I'm an attorney. Um, I don't think that's good. Is that what they do? And ask a few questions. And then he just got really frank. And I know you all know him well because he comes he was coming here every year, right? You know, Mayor James, he's, he's, God love the guy. He's not one to abdicate his power, right? If he believes in something, he does it, right? If he knows he can do it, he does it. And he said to all of us in that room um, with the kids at the big table and us grown folks sitting against the wall while the kids led the meeting, um, he said, the police police the police in this town. I don't have the power to change that. And I've got to say, in all of my time doing this work, it's one of the scariest things I've ever heard. And it was that day that in my gut, I felt like I've got to take on a campaign that I'm not sure is winnable. And it was some other things that happened. Um, you know, the killing of Terrence Bridges, who... Thankfully, some of you know about, we've lifted his name up a lot, um, but Terrence Bridges was killed without a weapon and without any words exchanged. The officer fired and then addressed him. Um, yeah, after that one happened um, and and some other killings happened here in our city, like um, Dante Franklin, a young man was killed around um, 39th and Prospect, and uh, Ryan Stokes' mom had been working with us for a while. Ryan Stokes himself, who was killed by KCPD back in, um, I want to say 2013, his mom, he, Ryan was actually a member of a Moore Square Church, so like he was known to our membership at um Zion Grove. He was a part of us. And so it were, it was those murders coupled with, or those deaths of those men or murders, depending on who looks at it, um, coupled with the work of these kids and starting to bring the mothers who loved these men who were killed by our police together, um, that made us just decide to take a leap of faith. And so in um, April of 2018, we became, I think, the first organization to start mounting a new campaign toward local control of our police department here in Kansas City. And so I want to tell you just a bit about how it got that way and a bit about how we think we are going to get out from under this situation. Um, so a lot of us talked about it for a long time as it started during the Pendergast era. And, and it did, in fact... Um, 
local control or state control got restored during the Pendergast era, but it actually began earlier than that. It began during the Civil War. And it was in mid-Missouri, the government decided that they wanted to be able to control the two. You know what Missouri was doing in the Civil War? They didn't either. They were trying to decide, right? Like, so they were constantly trying to decide. And there's um, these two cities that wanted to kind of take one position and outstate that wanted to take another, not unlike what we see today, right? There were, there were major factions in our state. And the biggest arsenals were um, in the two biggest cities, which happened to also have the largest concentration of black folks. And so it was an effort to control the, the weaponry and the arsenals that we had in our two cities that led to this setup. And then it was a court case that restored control to Kansas City. This isn't fair. We should, we should govern our own police department. A court ruling restored local control. And then Pendergast got involved, and many of us would now suggest that it was a handy excuse to put control back in the hands of the state. So there was corruption at that time. There was corruption at that time in Kansas City in the Pendergast era. There was no doubt that a mob boss was running the, uh, a Democratic boss was running the police department and all kinds of things. But it was a short-sighted solution is what we would say. What we did at that time was we, we gave our control back to the state. And we're kind of stuck ever since. So what is required is a state law change and then a local ordinance, a local vote. Or we could, you know, have an overturning with a court. So, so here's what's happened just since we announced our pursuit in 2018. It was pretty slow going at first. So um, what we decided to do is start talking to people who were running for office here. We wanted to create a groundswell of support in local elected officials. And the first thing that we really got done was uh, when this current council took office, Councilwoman Melissa Robinson um, came out to one of our public meetings, like the one that we have coming up this Thursday, and she committed to our audience, yes, I want to do something about local control, and I will put it on, um, I'll, I'll put together a resolution for our fellow council people to vote on to study it, right? Just to, like, let's study the pros and cons, the benefits, and maybe this study will try to create some kind of... Um, um, groundswell of support too. So that's what we started with. And it was actually really hard to get enough votes to get it passed, just to study it. Just, and you know, city council doesn't have much say on this right now. So that's interesting just to study it. And then it was really, um, that, com that commission started, we did get it going and, um, the commission started meeting and everything. And, and, um, folks like me went and met with them, and they did a pretty massive amount of work. It included law enforcement. It included kind of 
both sides, if you will, of state versus local control. And they created quite a body of work. Um, Melissa Johnson, who's in the mayor's office, was one of the key people that headed up that committee before she was hired in the mayor's office. And as they created their body of work and continued to meet, George Floyd was killed. And that um, locally and nationally called a new level of attention to this issue, right? And so it was through, you know, the next few months that we saw things start to really move, those of us who'd been working on it for a while. Um, and then um, there was a gesture by the mayor to try to put something related to local control, just a question on the ballot. And then people kind of blew up at City Hall over that. And there was a big fight. Uh, so that didn't work. Um, then there was a uh, uh, another effort by City Hall to say, what if the money by state law, because we are under state control, by state law, we have to have... 20% of our general rev or of our general revenue in the city has to go to the police department. That's defined by state law. And so they said, what if the overage, we, we give like 24%. What if we could anticipate, expect some outcomes from them and actually have them sign a contract for that money over the 20% that we give? And so they, they, a supermajority, nine, nine council, including the mayor, voted all in kind of one day to decide to do that. We're going to isolate the money that's over the 20%. And then they're going to have to have some outcomes. They're going to have to do some of the things we want to do with that money. And that didn't go well. So there was like a big blow up. There were the four people who weren't um, kind of in on it. Two of them happened to be mothers of police officers here in Kansas City. Um, the four people on council uh, in the Northland, I, I'm a Northlander, um, really blew up over it. We didn't get a say. Well, you got a say. You just were against it. But in all of that commotion, um, Senator Tony Luke DeMeyer, my state senator filed this bill that um, would require us now to pay 25%, right? 25% of our money to, to, and he actually didn't say general revenue. He said the total budget. So let's just like walk down that road of insanity for a minute. If it was the total budget, it would include all that stuff for aviation. We've got some stuff going on around aviation here, right? It would include stuff like outside of general revenue, fines and fees, the other things that are collected. It would include all major grants that come into our city. So, for example, if the police department got a million-dollar grant from the feds, which they get a lot of those, actually, for equipment and stuff, what would happen? We would have to raise $250,000 just so they could receive that grant, right? Is I mean, that's my understanding of how that would work. So that was the law he proposed. And what the Dems decided to do to fight him was we'll negotiate that total to be like, uh, we'll, we'll make it like the general revenue. We'll change the language. And that's exactly what they got done. And as that was passing, it was clear that um, th that would be a violation of the Hancock Amendment. And so it has to be put to the voters. But who are the voters for our police department? The whole state now. 
right? So the whole state voted on Amendment 4 in November. A lot of us, when we read the ballot language, we couldn't even tell what it was. We who worked on this couldn't tell what it was. And many of us voted the wrong way on Amendment 4 here in Kansas City, right? We said, yes, 25%. So they increased our our police budget. The state, every voter in the state of Missouri had passed by quite a swelling. It was defeated in Kansas City and St. Louis City, which was kind of by the time this all went down as best as we could do. You know, we phone banked and did a lot of work just to defeat it. Um, but you should be, I see outrage on faces and I'm glad because I'm outraged by it too. It's really overwhelming to think. So there's lawsuits about these things, right? There's a lawsuit that um, Gwen Grant, the CEO of Urban League filed as not in her capacity as CEO of Urban League, but as a community leader, she filed a lawsuit um, back in June of 22. Um, there's another lawsuit that's been filed. We're actually looking at a, a class action strategy. But our big strategy right now is this. We know that no matter what happens, um, even if a court rules, we'll probably have a local vote on this. And largely local people don't know about local control. So um, we could have a local ballot initiative and put it on the ballot. We could do any number of things. We could get city council to put it on the ballot. But what we're doing right now is just mounting a campaign called 2022 for local control, where we have 2,000 um, people like you and me um, talking to 22 friends and supporters of local control. And we just track all of those. So we're building a block of 44,000 voters in Kansas City. Why that number? That's about how many vote like for the mayoral election, you know, something, right? So we're trying to create a massive block of voters and then just do what we need to do with that, whether it's uh, educate voters on every state and general election, right? So there's things that you can do once you have a block of voters to move power. And right now we're in this phase of building a block of voters. So that's the one city, um, the city I live in. But I've also um, want to tell you quickly about Kansas City, Kansas. And in Kansas City, Kansas, um, that started quite differently. Uh, Again, go to a past job of mine where I first got alerted to this. I used to be a program director over at a place called Crosslines, and I had the most wonderful volunteer uh, who came in every single day. But she was young. She was like my age now. And... <laughs> I said to her, like, why do you why do you volunteer? You seem like you could have a full-time job somewhere. And she said, my nerves are bad. My son is incarcerated. And that's the day that I learned about Lamont McIntyre. And um, his mom, Rose McIntyre, was that volunteer. And so it was a few years later when I'm in this job and I see that he's gotten representation from this fantastic lady named Cheryl Pilot, who's one of the most amazing attorneys I've ever met. And she exonerates people like she's really good at it, right? <laughs> so, so I said, yay, she's got Lamont's case. So More Squared started getting involved in that case, really just to like get a spotlight on what was going on. Um, he was he was framed. He was framed for a murder he didn't commit. And 
what was uncovered in that process was his mother by Cheryl. Cheryl started really doing some deep investigation. And finally, his mother told her her deepest pain, which was she had been sexually violated by Detective Roger Golubsky. And that's what led to all of this, allegedly, we believe. Um, and in finding that out, we found out that there's not just Rose McIntyre, but there's actually dozens of women that we know of, and possibly as many as 40 wrongful incarcerated people right now um, because of Detective Golubsky and all the other evils that were going on within this one police department. And so our pursuit in Kansas City, Kansas has evolved into, again, around, I want to say it was around 2017, 18, that we, 2018, that we announced our plans over there and our first demands were laid in like the uh, May, June of 2018. That was a really busy year for us making big announcements. <laughs> Um, we, we've made our first demands. We want an outside investigation of Kansas City, Kansas Police Department was our first demand. We want Roger Golubsky to be indicted was our second demand. And we want you to fire the police chief, Terry Ziegler, who was once Roger Golubsky's partner. And Ziegler um, would retire early unexpectedly early, a couple of months later. And we got um, an outside, we, we also wanted a bilingual hotline, and we got that funded next. We got a hotline and a conviction integrity unit to review some of these old cases, and, and that's fully funded and in the district attorney's office. Um, We've gotten a lot of things done around our policing work in Wyandotte County, but the most exciting, of course, was this summer when we finally saw the indictment of Detective Roger Golubsky, who um, is being indicted, wasn't federally indicted for raping while on his police job and, and coercion and all the things that went along with that. And so he will be on trial next month be facing his criminal trial next month. Um, so those are some of the issues that we've been working on, and um, we continue to demand our outside investigation. That's the one thing kind of hanging over that we think could start to lead to some semblance of change. You know, Ferguson, Missouri had a, uh, an uprising that led to the Department of Justice investigating. We don't feel like that should need to happen for them to come in on top of dozens of women reporting their rapes by a police officer who was active, actively on duty and what we believe to be uh, dozens of wrongful incarcerated men in the state of Kansas. So it, it should not require a groundswell, but uh, we continue to work with everybody from um, Jay-Z, the rapper, he has a legal team called Team Rock who's involved, and we uh, work with all kinds of folks. Uh, uh, Barry Sheck, who was one of O.J. Simpson's attorneys, is involved in this. Like We've, we've worked with so many people, um, but we'll continue to work until we get a Department of Justice investigation 
on the Kansas City, Kansas Police Department and a full pattern and practice investigation. Actually, we've also demanded that here on the Missouri side because without any uh, real local power and control as a city, um, we have to have somebody paying attention to what's going on there. So um, I think I'll leave it at that with those two cities uh, sharing what we're doing in that department. What we would love is for all of you um, to tune in to our public meeting that's on your flyer. Or, uh, it, it'll, I'm sure, be put back up on the screen behind me. Um, it's that Giants Do Fall. It's on Thursday, and it's both live and remote. And we'll be doing some work on some of the issues that we talked about. Um, we definitely need ambassadors. We have a way for you to contact your friends. Like, you could just get to ID 22 of your friends and people on your cell phone or whatever, um, or email your friends or however you like to do that. And then we have other ways for you to contact. Um, if you like to talk to strangers like I really do, you can, like, phone bank with us or whatever. So. Um, that's the thing we need the most right now, but we also just need your um, ongoing support and engagement and all the things that you've always done with More Squared long before I came around. So thank you. Okay. Thank you very much, uh, Laura. Um, uh, if you have questions, please come to the microphone. So it will, um, you have to be standing more or less where I'm standing. So that uh, speaking into this microphone here, so that it will be recorded to be broadcast on KKFI March second um, at noon noon uh, to one p.m. Does someone have a question? My name is Barton. Um, thank you for being here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. When you talked about Amendment Four, and you talked about twenty-five percent, and you said defeated or not defeated. Yes, no. Did it turn out that police is, are going to get 25% of every single penny or 25% of that? Well, I'll stop. That's a great question. So it what we voted on, we think, was that they'd get 25% of the general revenue. But immediately after, immediately after this vote happened, the police filed an injunction in the middle of, uh, or a, a, I don't know what you call it, a brief within Gwen Grant's lawsuit suggesting that it should be 25% of the total budget. And so it's under dispute right now. Thank, thank you. Yeah. So it's under dispute. Yes. Total we, means every penny that ever was spent by the city of Kansas City, Missouri, General revenue is what you create in the budget. That's an agreed upon amount. General revenue, we have this money, we're going to spend it. That's hugely different, right? Yeah. Yes. So it's under dispute, and their actual allegation is that it should be retroactive, too. And so it's really frightening what the police have alleged in these lawsuits, and we really hope that um, the counsel for the plaintiff prevails. Thank you for being here. How is there contact information? How would someone get a hold of you? I'm interested in what you're proposing, the 22. Yeah, 2022. yeah, yeah. 
the easiest way to reach us is just you can fill out a contact form through the website, and I get it. It's just more2.org, M-O-R-E number 2.org, more2.org. If you fill that out, I'll probably be the one that receives it and follows up the the fastest just because I like to keep my email inbox empty. (laughs) But we do have seven organizers on staff, so we've grown a bit since when I started 10 years ago, and I was the only. Hi, Richard. Uh, what kind of work is your organization doing, if any, around uh, the racism involved in uh, mass incarceration here in Kansas City? Yeah, that's a really good question. One of our full-time organizers, we have a vacancy, and hopefully the new guy, I've got guy finalists, starts in a couple of weeks. But we have a full-time organizer dedicated to that platform entirely and he works in both states um so we're working on expungement of criminal records we're working on some voting rights issues specifically we've been working on getting um people the right to vote in the jail because they're not all under felony uh conviction and supervision so we've worked on all kinds of things related to that we've we've done ban the box and we've restored food stamp benefits for drug offenders we've won many of things but you're right like we're just chipping at mass incarceration so we have one full-time position that's called our voices largely people with felonies run that group going back for a moment to kansas city kansas who is currently fronting or in charge of what happens to the police department as a whole and who do you advocate should be in charge of that as a whole so i you know it's it it, the county administrator technically is who is over the police department and then that county administrator reports to the mayor and the county commission and you know, the unified government of Wyandotte County. Um, It's kind of wild. Mayor Tyrone Gardner, who was deputy police chief, put this idea on our minds, which is maybe um, they could collapse the police department. Now, he was the deputy chief of that department. I I don't know. I don't know about that. I kind of like the idea of voters, like having some say, right? (laughs) And so I think the way it is, is all right. Um, If they collapse that police department in favor of the sheriff's office, that's what he suggested. Like, we've got kind of the way our government's set up. We could just have one entity here. Um, I don't know that I want to go that far. We just want an investigation so we know what all needs to change. And then I think the uh, uh, democratic government system that they have over there is largely favorable to ours. So... Um, what do you think is the mindset of rural Missouri and them uh, desiring us not to have control? Because, I mean, just the average citizen, uh, I, I don't fully understand why they would have such a strong opinion of that. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, it's a couple of things. Thanks for asking that. Grew up in rural Missouri. I always say I had cows and pigs as neighbors. When people ask what town, I didn't live in a town. I lived in unincorporated rural Cass County. 
Um, I believe that they largely have no idea. I, I just talked to my stepdad who lives down in Ozark, Missouri, about this Amendment 4. He had no idea that's what he had voted on. He argued with me about it, and then I showed him in writing. What, so I think mostly if they knew that they voted on something that took local power away from local folks, local folks in rural communities in Missouri would care about that. I believe it's the legislature and folks like Tony Luke DeMeyer, who lives in Parkville, who I think he's grandstanding and political positioning. So that's what we have is this political posturing. And then when you think about that and the power of like 44,000 voters in an area where he might, in fact, want to run for a statewide office, like that's you you can think about what we're cooking up, right? Like that's what we're up to is let's let's get voters here knowing about it and then branch out and kind of spread the sentiment. Because where I come from, I went to Pleasant Hill High School, people would be outraged at the idea of their police department being under any kind of statewide vote. And I just think we couldn't get to that sentiment through voters this year. It was it happened too fast on us. This is a question from uh, Claudine. Uh, she wanted to know, how did St. Louis get their uh, local control back? That's a great question. So uh, a billionaire and his money was really helpful. Billionaire Rex Singfeld put his money in. Um, and, you know, he's he does bad things with his money, too. He's tried to kill our 1% tax, you know, a couple of times, right, our earnings tax here. But that time with his money, it was about libertarianism for him, and and he's not wrong, right? Libertarians believe in local control, and then us liberal folks believe in it. So he, yeah, they got a, they had a, they had a statewide vote, and it said something real simple, like St. Louis has been under uh, statewide control since the Civil War. Do you think they should get it back? That was the vote. And so we were all like, maybe it's time, you know, like it, it's, it was asked real practically, right? Yeah, thank you. And uh, as a member of the League of Women Voters, I can confirm the public did not understand Amendment 4 yeah, right. outside of Kansas City. But I want to know more about what I guess you're calling Project 22. You said you, you do need people to help educate the public. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Now, would that be just general education or are you driving toward an initiative petition or any other action? So, at this time, we're building a block of voters. And and the reason I say that is we don't, we really think it would be a bad idea for this to win by 55% or 58% because where it would lose, it'd get used against us. So we want a groundswell of support. Where I live in the Northland, it's going to take more work to get that. We are working towards something, but right now it's a big block of voters. Well, the NRA has a big block of voters. You know what they do with that, right? So we can ram it in wherever we want to, right? So that's what we're doing right now. And yes, we, we could use all the help we could get just educating people about local control. I think um, you don't have to ID your support or even ask anybody for support to go out and educate. It makes it easier for those of us who go out and, and try to ID later. So we would love that. The support and help of League of Women Voters, uh, you guys have been a great partner to us. 
Good morning. Uh, you may have mentioned this when I was out of the room. I had to leave for a minute. But the idea of uh, rural voters buying into the idea of local support, to me, is overshadowed by the defund the police message that the opposition pretty much pushed forward. So are you all addressing that issue? Yeah. Because to me, that's the biggest obstacle in converting those voters. It really can be. You know, we talk about it. We are a racial justice organization, and this is an issue of about police reform for us in part. But it's also an issue of democracy and being able to spend our own tax dollars, right? So, like, it's there's a fiduciary thing and there's a democratic thing. And the truth is, like, it's even been hard, depending on who the police chief is, for police officers to get justice in this community, right? And and we've seen that. So we, we talk about it from this wider purview than um, police reform. Defund the police has never been my organization's mantra. We've never, we've never, you know, used that because we don't think it works and we don't think it'll be effective here. And the truth is like, I don't know if you've ever been a crime victim, but I have and more than once. Right. So Kansas city, that's not the right conversation is what I would say. Remind our audience what more square stands for, because I flubbed it. Oh, thank you, Spencer. Yes. It's Metro Organization for Racial and Economic Equity. Metro Organization for Racial and Economic Equity. And it's more squared. Um, I didn't put the exponent in the name, but I learned about a year ago that um, somebody said they were trying to decide what to do with those two E's. And Reverend Eric Belt at St. Stephen Baptist Church said, we ought to put it to a higher power. And that day it became an exponent. So... Um, talk about you've got issues to actions teams that that I don't know what percent of the, your activism is, but talk about that. Yeah, so we have um, a number of different issues issues task forces. We have an education task force in Kansas City, Missouri. They've been working on everything from TIF reform; they're really good at that stuff. Um, to uh, uh, things like out-of-school suspension. So when Kansas City Public Schools banned suspension for fifth grade and under, they did that, and they've been working on that in other school districts. Um, we have an education task force forming in Johnson County, Kansas. That's really exciting. Um, Lady Yepes is our new organizer over there who's starting to mount that. We don't know what they'll do, um, but they are looking at, I believe, they might announce something Thursday. I know they're looking at a Students' Bill of Rights in Kansas with Senator Cindy Holscher. Um, then we have a criminal justice task force on the Kansas side, and they've been doing everything from working with a lot of our exonerees to continuing to press forward on this DOJ matter, uh, getting the Department of Justice investigation. Our criminal justice uh, Missouri task force works on local control and that block of voters and some other strategies around that. And then we have our voices, which, like I said, is a group of formerly incarcerated people or people with felony convictions working on restoring their own rights. Uh, could you briefly mention the location and the time for your in-person More Squared meeting coming up? Yes, and sir. The day, the day and yes, the time sir. Thank the you for asking. 
Overland Park Christian Church at 6 p.m. to 23:23. So it's Thursday night, 6 p.m. Overland Park Christian Church. It's on 75th Street. I believe it's 7600 West 75th Street in Overland Park, Kansas, and it's a Disciples of Christ Church. Um, I think we'll be done by, I think it's done by 8 p.m. We always end on time, but it could it could get out sooner. So, uh, And that's 2-23-23, that's February 23rd of 2023. Uh, and um, how can people learn more about uh, about your issues to action. You. I'm glad you came back to that, Spencer. I forgot to say that. So we meet again, fill out a contact form on the website and we can just add you to our database. Most of our stuff, we, we've decided to just keep it hybrid or make it only on Zoom right now. So uh, the public meeting on Thursday night, we want people to be there in person, but you can you can do that online too. You can do our monthly issues task forces, all those I just rattled off. Uh, they meet right now on the second Monday of every month. And if you sign up for our email blast, you'll just get the notification monthly, like come to the issues task force. And that's how you can engage. If that date doesn't work for you and you want to engage some kind of way, just contact us and we'll have one of our many organizers figure out how to get you hooked up. So um, talk, to, talk to us. I know you sent a, submitted a complaint to the Department of Justice for the state of Kansas, and, and I, apparently that's stalled or rejected or what? Tell us more. No, no, we're just waiting. You know, they had this thing called the insurrection on January 6th a year ago, right? And so the DOJ got real bogged down is what they told us. So they have it under advisement. They're reviewing. We've done DOJ requests, Department of Justice pattern and practice investigation requests for both Kansas City, Kansas. We did that one with Team Rock, Jay-Z's team, and Barry Sheck, who I mentioned in the Innocence Project, and some other great folks. Um, very thorough requests that we made over there about some of the patterns we were seeing. And then uh, the DOJ request on the Missouri side for pattern and practices was led by Urban League, M NAACP, More Squared, uh, SELC, um, the Jewish Community Relations Bureau, a number of different organizations came forward demanding that one. Um, and we're really just waiting on both of them. I know some of my people are talking with somebody with the DOJ this week. Um, that It's ongoing, trying to get their attention with so much going on in the nation. You mentioned you've got how many eight employees and what are they doing now? Yeah, so there's uh, Reverend Dr. Bobby Love. is uh, He's one of the guys that hired me and one of our early pastors. He's actually working a contract position where he's working on westward expansion. We're expanding through Kansas, and Reverend Love leads an African-American leadership table. They're largely working on Medicaid expansion. Um, then we have um, in Kansas, and then we have... Um, Marcus Wynn, who's our director of voter engagement, and he's the director of all the Kansas staff, and he does all kinds of things to help us get uh, voter widgets put together. So, so uh, he's he's who kind of builds the voter campaigns out that we do with the team, and then we have Katya, who's our local control organizer, and she's actually going to be leaving in a couple of months, and hopefully, I'm making an offer for her position this week, and then we have. Uh, 
our, our, the our voices organizer, same deal. That's uh, a position that's changing over, and that guy will hopefully be getting an offer this week. And Lucas Barons, our Wyandotte County community organizer. I think that's everybody besides me. Uh, did you get any insight into the Kansas City, Kansas situation about how how did the Gottlieb situation go on for so long? Mm-hmm. Without some one person or more having the ethical integrity to take it on. Do you have any insights into That's why we need the pattern and practice investigation, because we believe it was a deep-seated pattern and practice to turn a blind eye when you did see something going on. We know that there were a number of lawsuits um, by black officers, by women police officers, and especially by black women police officers. And there's not many of any of those numbers, right? Um, So when we actually announced our um, desire, our demands in, in Kansas City, Kansas, it was on the heels of a black woman cadet who had filed a lawsuit in 2018 that alleged that she was raped by her police academy instructor. This is insidious. This is deep-seated, like, misogyny and sexual assault and sexual abuse that's gone on by this department and within this department for decades. It's not gone. We would contend that it's happening still. So this was 2018. She, She not only alleged that she was raped, her lawsuit was she got fired when she told the police chief she was raped. And it was so insidious, she didn't even think she should tell. And then they stalked her and they poured a bucket of salsa on her car. And all these things happened after this woman reported her rape. Um, We don't think it's gone. If it sounds extreme, I'm just touching on it, really. I'm just touching on what all we've heard and know, and and it's deeply insidious. So I think short of a pattern and practice investigation, um, maybe they do need to collapse the police department. That's a former deputy chief, now mayor, who suggested that first to me. But I know one thing for sure, without a big old spotlight being shown on it, we're not going to see the kind of change we need there. So uh, last fall you introduced me to ryan sorrell and we got him um speaking to this audience a month ago and one of the things he mentioned was a former kck police officer um who who lodged a complaint against the kck police department he was stopped under mysterious circumstances in Western Kansas. Mm. Uh, and then Officer more recently, Womack. he was killed. Yeah. What do you know about that? Yeah, that's Officer Womack. And actually, his wife is yet another black police officer who has uh, had a lawsuit even before um, Womack was killed. Um I don't know the details of what happened in in Western Kansas. What I know about Womack is probably a little bit different take than my friend Ryan's. Um, I love Casey Defender. Um, I think that I think that what I understand comes from other officers within KCKPD, and they tell me that Womack had had a real serious mental health break, and he didn't get the help he needed after some incident of uh, out in the field that happened, and. Um, 
but that manifested and he had an altercation with his own department that killed him. And we've seen the videotapes and it's horrible. It, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to speculate about whether any killing is okay and justified. I just, that's not my job. So. Right. So there's certainly something else that you haven't been talking to us about uh, that more squared is doing and you've got another five minutes to, uh, really uh give us give us your uh rousing uh speech as to why we ought to support more squared i think i've talked so much Spencer. um i i just want to say this you guys have always supported more squared the people in this room i know most of your faces because you're leaders in this community and you're people who are interested in the work in the community and you're people who contribute to this community so i would say keep keep doing what you're doing and and showing up and getting the information that you need. And we definitely want um, people to mount a campaign. I don't believe it's a campaign to nowhere. We know what blocks of voters can do. Um, It's a lot of work, but we know what blocks of voters can do. Um, I'm trained under the tradition of one uh, Barack Obama, who people thought wouldn't win presidency, including members of his own party. Right. And so so uh, we're both trained of the same organizing tradition. And I believe that a very small amount of people can be the nucleus for really big change. Yeah. Someone recently quoted Nelson Mandela as saying that it always seems impossible until it's done. Wow. Right. Um, (laughs) Okay, so our time is pretty close to expired next week. Atenas Mena and Beto Lugo Martinez will, uh, with Clean Air Now will discuss environmental injustice in Kansas City. Thank you for tuning in to the All Souls Forum. Keep your radio dialed to 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio, for your Jazz Afternoon with KC, coming up immediately, followed by The Boogie Bridge with Jason Vivoni, and then the Heartland Labor Forum at 6 p.m. In the meantime, have a great day.